Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Heat Nation, welcome into Believe in Miami Heat for another week. I'm your host, Joey Levin, as always. And ladies and gentlemen, your Miami Heat are officially off the schneid, so to speak. For the second week in a row off the schneid, that is. Last week, it was a negative off the schneid. I'm saying off the schneid a lot, but last week, losing two games in a row for the first time this season. This week, after moments ago, this is Wednesday night when I'm recording this, beating the Toronto Raptors 111-102 after beating the Detroit Pistons two nights ago, the Heat have now put together their first win streak of the season. That's huge, ladies and gentlemen, whether you think so or not. It may just be the Detroit Pistons, who could be the worst team in the NBA, and it may be the Toronto Raptors, who I believe are one of the worst teams in the NBA this season. But let's not forget, no Jimmy Butler, no Tyler Hero, both out for the second game in a row, no Avery Bradley either. So impressive wins, regardless, particularly when you take into account the Heat came off of what was frankly a pretty embarrassing loss to the Detroit Pistons this past weekend. I told you last week that even with ben, with Bam Adebayo back, regardless of if Jimmy Butler didn't play, they should beat the Detroit Pistons. Tyler Hero played in that game. Apparently, something happened to his neck. He's been having neck spasms. He's been out for two games. Hopefully, he's back soon. Hopefully, Jimmy Butler's back soon. But either way, it's nice to see Miami string together a couple wins, you know, in a season where ups, downs, we haven't really seen what this team is yet with injuries and COVID and all this stuff. It's good to see the Heat put together these two wins, get their first win streak of the season, get up to six and seven, which is still not ideal, not where you want to be, but you know, let's get some momentum rolling. Still got another game coming up against Toronto, which we will talk about here uh, towards the end of the podcast. I have some takeaways. I'm going to break down and talk about a few things from the Wednesday night game against the Raptors that I think are positive and the and last game against the Pistons. I also have there's also there's still things obviously that need to be worked on besides from just getting everybody healthy. And obviously some players stood out in the last couple games in this win streak, one in particular who has been absolutely just balling out and maybe uh, maybe time to trade him. I don't know. Maybe we just maybe sell high, as they say. I'm going to break all of that down. I'm going to talk about all of I'm going to get into it right here in a second. But first, you guys all know, you realize it. I mean, this might be a basketball podcast, but we're sports fans here. Dolphins weren't in the playoffs, but th- we're sports fans here. And it's been a long time since we got to see our team in the playoffs but the super bowl is right around the corner and if you're looking for a place to bet on any of the sports going on betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in i'll be i'll be quite honest with you i've had some issues this year uh with nba betting because of covid and games and getting canceled all that so i'm staying away from the nba this week but how could you not love aaron Rodgers and the green bay packers in Lambeau to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship, minus three. All they got to do is win by a touchdown. Yeah, nobody wants to bet against Tom Brady, but you know what? I'm Aaron Rodgers, MVP, Packers' best team in the NFC. 
That's what I'm rolling with. Game spreads, totals, team, player, coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. There's always the online casino as well. Never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline. They're your online sportsbook experts, people. I tell you every week. I tell you every week. Just go take care of it. I love these guys. I love BetOnline. All right. So as I mentioned off the top, first win streak of the season, and obviously you, you, you don't, you know, win streak, two game, two games in a row. Everyone, you know, people probably aren't super excited about that, but I, I do think it is an important benchmark in the season because you can, you can talk about Jimmy Butler being out and role players being out and bam missing games and now Tyler missing games, but everyone's going through it. The heat are not unique to the rest of the league that they've had players out and that they've had to patch this thing together. You know, every team at the top of the East has gone through similar situations. Uh, the Nets were without KD for a few games. And obviously, if they don't have Kevin Durant, they're they're nothing. Regardless of how many stars they go out and trade for, Kevin Durant is that whole team. And, and they won their first game without Kevin Durant. Um, the Celtics, they lost tonight to the Sixers, but, they, but they've won some games without Jason. Jason Tatum's still out. They've gone through a, a major COVID situation, and, and they're still winning games. Uh, Sixers, the same thing. I mean, but all those teams. So I bring this up just to say um, that the Heat, it's not the excuse of guys have been out and this and that. It's understandable. Yeah, you can't win every game when all your best players are out. But also, if you're going to be a team that's at the top of the East, like the rest of these teams, like the Heat should be, even without your best players, you got to win games. Particularly, you have to win games against the lower-level teams. And that's why last week, when I went through the schedule for the upcoming week or for this Wednesday to Wednesday, which is what these the, this podcast's weeks are Wednesday to Wednesday, I said you have to beat these teams, the, the Pistons of the world, the Raptors of the world. Vegas still doesn't accept the fact that the Raptors are not very good this year, but they are not very good this year. So you got to win these type of games. And that's why, to me, um, I, I think winning these two games in a row, it, it is a big thing you know, for a team that, look, clearly has struggled to get it together early in the year. Uh, and I think you got to keep stringing them together, right? I think next game against the Raptors, which will be uh, on Friday night, I think you got to – that should be a win. You got to – Getting three wins in a row here after losing three in a row would be a big deal for this team. It's just momentum builder. Again, we it, the Heat are six and seven. We're coming up to that point in the year where you kind of know what you do and you don't have. Almost every year, uh, you talk to anybody in the. I worked in the NBA for six years as a video scout, as a video coordinator, whatever you want to call it. And you talk to coaches, GMs, whoever, they'll tell you twenty games into the year, this is when we start to really evaluate what we have. It's a 72-game season. I, what, so you could still use the 20-game benchmark. That's fine. But with COVID and postponements and not knowing what this season is going to be, 15 to 20 games is the benchmark I'm looking at this year. And the Heat have played 13 games. 
And yes, it is very hard to evaluate what a team is without your best players. But what you can truly evaluate is where does this team stack up in terms of competitiveness if other teams with players missing are winning games, but this team is not. But they are right now, so that's positive. Two games in a row, get three in a row against Toronto. Now you got something rolling. You still got to play it, and then you got – I'm getting into the schedule a little ahead of what I wanted to, but then you got Brooklyn twice. Got to win at least one of those games. But, hey, this is the start. That's why I think winning these two games was 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 really a bigger deal than it probably seems like. But for this point in the season where the Heat are, it, it, it was good. I mean, it's a, it, it was nice. It's nice to see – it's nice to see them uh, really step up and, and get it done without those guys. It's an important thing to see Bam be a leader who we'll, who we'll talk about and other guys step up. But the biggest thing that I think will actually probably be very important for the Heat this year and was actually really important for the Heat last year was over the past two games, the zone defense that Eric Spolstra has gone to and that the Heat have played has looked great. Uh, on Monday against the Pistons, down 19 in the first quarter, uh, they, it, it totally threw off. And against these bad teams like like the Pistons, I'll full disclosure, I hate zone. I hate it because I don't like college basketball because of it, uh, but it's different in the NBA. And the Heat zone, last year the Heat played more zone than any team in the NBA, and they were good at it. And over these past two games, they've been great at it. The zone, the zone defense against Toronto completely shut them down. The zone against Detroit really brought Miami back into the game. And I think in a season where, again, shortened rosters, not sure who's playing night in and night out, not only is it effective in terms of throwing off the other team, but it's also one of those things where if you can get away with playing zone for long stretches uh, and really shutting teams down and 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 boosting your defense and coming back and winning games it's a little bit of rest it's a it's a way to rest a shortened roster it's a way to not have to be as intense defensively not have to guard pick and rolls not have to rotate as much there's a there's a lot to be said about it plus one of the heat's big struggles i think early in this season has been just their lack of depth up front Losing Jay Crowder, uh, Myers Leonard's just not playing. Uh, Mo Harkless has been awful. Precious is so young, even though he's playing really well. Bam can't do everything, so that so zone also helps you combat that. And seeing the way they played that zone, the 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 last two games, is I think a very encouraging thing for Miami, and I think you'll end up seeing a lot, a lot more of it. And I'll say this too, I was focused on the Heat game while watching the Brooklyn Nets lose in double overtime to the Cleveland Cavaliers in Kyrie Irving's first game back off of his uh, personal vacation or whatever he did because he still hasn't exactly explained himself and refuses to. Uh, the Cavs played a lot of zone and and and... and it probably seems, uh, you know, like bringing up any defense from the Cavs doesn't make a ton of sense because Brooklyn still scored 135 points. But they went to double overtime. But there were stretches in that game where 
the Cavs played zone and Brooklyn just most of these teams don't practice zone offense a ton. And even the ones that do, they're not great at it. Uh, obviously, the bad teams are really bad at it. When you're playing against a team like Brooklyn, it, could, it can get tough because when you have Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Joe Harris on the floor all at once, you're going to give up shots. But there were stretches where the Cavs played zone against Brooklyn in the, their game Wednesday night that the Cavs won in double overtime where Brooklyn struggled. And, you know, if Jimmy's not back if and Tyler is not back and Avery Bradley's not back, and even if they are back, you know, Jimmy Butler's missed seven games now. Avery Bradley's missed a handful of games. Tyler, I, it's, it's hard to say when he comes back, how's his neck going to be? You may end up seeing the zone even more just as much because conditioning-wise, when you miss that, you miss that many games, you, can you just come back and play the minutes that you're used to playing if you're... Jimmy Butler or Avery. Now, again, I, I've mentioned that I think the Heat are one of these teams that's more equipped than others to have guys sit out because they're vaunted for their conditioning and the Heat culture and all that stuff. But still, do you want Jimmy Butler to come back potentially in his first game back if he's back by the weekend and have to run around guarding James Harden and Kyrie Irving all night or potentially even Kevin Durant for stretches? So I think you you will see the zone, and it's fine. And I think in a long season with guys having to sit, you're going to see it. And if there's any coach who coaches it up in this NBA and makes it work, it's it's Eric Spolstra. Saw it last year, most in the NBA, and we've seen it over the last two games. Despite it being two of the worst teams in the league, in my estimation, it still works. So that's a positive from these games because defensively, the Heat have looked really good uh, in the past two games to get this stuff done. Uh, to get these wins. The negative, though, the, the the real true negative and something that it's got to get fixed. And I don't know, you know, I, I leave it to Spo and those guys, and maybe it's a continuity thing, but I don't, I don't know that I necessarily buy the continuity thing. The turnovers are have got to stop for Miami. It has to get cleaned up. It is losing basketball the way the Heat turned the ball over. Entering Wednesday night's game, the Heat were, they've basically been leading the league in turnovers per game all season. Averaging 17 a game right now, coming into Wednesday night, averaging 17 a game. Despite the win, 18 more turnovers. In the win against Detroit on Monday, 18 turnovers. In the loss against Detroit over the weekend, 22 turnovers. It is sloppy basketball, the decision making is questionable. The passing—it's it, just a—and while a lot of people, like a lot of fans and people who watch, will say, "Well, Jimmy's been out, and guys, have, and they're piecing it together." Well, no, because we we can't—that can't be the excuse for the Heat turning the ball over seventeen times a game when coming into the season, the advantage everyone spoke about the Heat was bringing back the majority of the roster and just coming off the finals and having this continuity of bringing back the majority of the same roster. So you can't have it both ways. It can't be the Heat's advantage this year is going to be that they have continuity and bringing back all their players, but then they're going to average 17 assists a game and have the most turnovers in the NBA. So it's got to be one or the other. And it can't, and it, and it, and it, and it sure shouldn't be, oh, well, you know, quick, they're sloppy. They're getting things together. It's just, they had the quickest turnaround in the NBA. They they talked about Eric Spolstra and the players talked about how 
the training camp or, or training camp was just like an extended version of last season for them because it was such a quick turnaround. So what's the what's the excuse? I will tell you, I've mentioned this probably on here and on other podcasts, but I'll bring it up again. I see it at least two, three, maybe four times a game. The Heat, when they play in these pick and rolls and in these middle pick and rolls and these dribble handoffs and play and teams, big men drop back in the paint to try to guard the penetration of a Goron or a Jimmy or a Tyler Hero. And the Heat are, it's almost like it's set within their offense that if you see a big man on the other team drop like that, and he even and he even drops off of Bam or Precious by even a millimeter, throw it up and let them go be their athletes that they are and go get it. And I swear, I don't have these proven numbers, but I see it every game and that's why I bring it up every time. They get two or three turnovers on these lob passes that are either not great passes or teams know what's coming now and they're prepared to defend these lobs. And a lot of times the pen, the guy penetrating on the pick and rolls or if the dribble handoff has the big on his heels to a point where you have a shot or a, a floater in the lane or a layup or a paint attempt. So I think I would love to see the Heat clean up even just those. You know, I mean, it's just like 17 assists a game. And then it's just sloppy. Then there's just some sloppy play that it's definitely not a continuity thing. I think it's, I honestly, I couldn't even, I can't even tell you what, I know those turnovers can stop. The rest of it, it's, you know, maybe it's sometimes coaches, you know, they don't want to see this stuff, but you got to have something to coach up when you when you win games. I can guarantee you right now, guarantee it, having been in the number of locker rooms that I've been in, Eric Spolstra is telling them, good game, good win. It's good to win without Jimmy and Bam, but it's absurd that we had 18 turnovers tonight. And that's all he's going to, he's going to harp on the turnovers. I'm sure he harps on the turnovers every night and they got to It's something that's got to get figured out because 17 turnovers a game leading the NBA in turnovers is not, it's not winning basketball. It's not top half of the East basketball. It's not Eastern conference champion basketball. It's a, it's a bad number. And if they can't turn it, if they can't figure out what the issue is, then they're not going to beat good teams. You can turn the ball over. I mean, you, you can't turn the ball over against bad teams and win, but the Heat have, have survived. But you damn sure, let's say, for example, this weekend when they play Brooklyn back-to-back, you can't turn the ball over 18 times to a bad defensive Brooklyn team who can put 150 on you. So if the turnovers don't get cleaned up, teams like Boston, Brooklyn, uh, Philly, even Indiana, these teams will take full advantage of that. You can't turn the ball over 17 times a game. It's got to get fixed. It absolutely has to get fixed. I think it will, but we're 13 games into the season. We're getting to that point where it's like, okay, now what? Like, why are we still having these issues? What do we need to do to fix them? Spo, I think 
that'll be something that hopefully we'll see get cleaned up over the next few games, next couple weeks at least, because it's been a problem early on. And I think you can point directly at that. If there's one, if it's one A is not having a healthy roster, one B for why the Heat are six and seven right now is the turnovers, and that's got to get fixed. Uh, so we'll see. They have another game against Toronto. We'll see if they can get that cleaned up a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about. Um, I do want to talk about a few of the players, obviously, that stuck out to me over the last couple games. But first, look with it, with a new year. Like I said off the top, there's a ton of big games in sports, right? NBA's got big games every night. Heat have big game. Every every Heat game's a big game. Super Bowl. And with big games, you know what you need? Do you know what you need with big games? You need big stakes. Yeah, that's right. You need big stakes. Big game. What's a big game without a big stake? Kansas City Stakes has the cuts that you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25. That's a, that's a lot of dollars. On combos, perfect for game day. Plus, get free shipping with code BELIEVE. That BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Look, you can, the thing that I want you to try out that I've tried out is the, it's the snack pack combo, right? It's small plates. I don't need big plates during the game because I don't want to get full and tired and go to sleep. So I go snack pack combo, mini beef Wellington steak burger sliders, right? Mac and cheese melts, which is my favorite. Shrimp, shrimp wrap, in, and then shrimp wrap in bacon. That's just one of the combos that I try. Yeah, you, can, you can figure it out, but all that stuff, great. Every order is flash frozen, delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, which is cool. Basically, every cut of steak imaginable plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, so much more. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day. Use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games. Big taste. Go check them out. All right. So as far as the players that stuck out to me in the Toronto game, in the in the in the in this two game win streak, this huge two game win streak. Okay. Bam Adebayo. How could he not be first and foremost off of Monday's game where he basically took over? the second half and became the essentially became a version of the max player that he has the potential to be in this league 28 points 11 rebounds five assists but just in a game that no one was really paying attention to because it was the shorthanded heat versus the lowly Detroit Pistons just doing a little bit of everything on the offensive end still obviously passing the ball with the five assists dribble handoffs, um, but getting to the rim, pull-up jumpers, uh, fadeaways, off-the-dribble jumpers, catch-and-shoot jumpers from the elbow. He showed the work that he put in this offseason, even in just a shortened offseason, and the confidence that is building in his game. And when you're very reliant on Jimmy Butler to be your, your alpha to for your offense to run and then your one and and then your second option really is second best obviously there's Goron, but tyler hero 
is another guy that you lean on who just turned 21 years old. To see Bam take over offensively, get 28 points, be a guy that not only you can run your offense through because of his ball handling and playmaking ability, but that you can run your offense through potentially and know that he can go get you buckets, get to the free throw line, hit some jumpers. It's a huge it's a huge thing to see out of that guy because in my estimation, Bam, I, I mean, after the way he played in the playoffs last year, I think a lot of people would say he was already, if he's not top 15 type player in the NBA, he's top 20. And I think his upside is, you know, as far as big men go, unlimited in terms of where he could be in the league. Will he be ever, ever be Anthony Davis? No, probably not. But if there's an, it's sort of an Anthony Davis tier of these type of big men. And I think there's kind of everybody else. And I think he's firmly right there with everybody else and could potentially be a little better than most of the other guys. Again, I don't know that he'll ever be Anthony. I don't think he'll ever be Anthony Davis, but he's right on that tier, right on the tier below. By the way, I think Anthony Davis is the second or third best player on the planet. So this is not a knock, but... Bam is developing and could develop into the tier that's right below it. And when you see games like 28 points, 11 11 rebounds, 5 assists, it's very encouraging. When you see him hitting 17, 18-foot jumpers, incredibly encouraging. Uh, So huge game against Detroit, then comes back against Toronto. Not needed quite as much as a scorer because of Kendrick Nunn, potentially, who I'm going to talk about in a second. But still, 14 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, another double-double, pushing a a triple-double, just another all-around game. And not only that, but you see him developing without Jimmy out there into a vocal leader. You see him in huddles. You see him on the bench. You see him with his teammates, talking to his teammates. You, You hear... Uh, Eric Spolstra uh, in media talking about how he's being more vocal as a leader, even in practices. And it's really a positive step for a guy who just, you know, they just agreed on the extension. He is now a max guy. He's now looked at as one of the stars of the team. You know, there's, they are the duo, right? They are the, him and Jimmy Butler are the all NBA duo that you need to take you to a championship and when you have a duo like a like that, when you have two guys that are your stars, that are your max guys, so to speak, if one's out, you have to be able to lean on the other one to 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 pull you through. So if Bam's out, you got to be able to lean on Jimmy. If Jimmy's out, you got to be able to lean on Bam. That's why you have two or three max guys. That's why the NBA is built around duos and trios, uh, because you need multiple stars to win in this league now. But even in but but also in the regular season, when one's out, the other one's got to be able to win you games, and when the other one's out, the other one's got to help you win games. Even against bad teams, it's important. So, Bam playing this way, uh, and also after they got you know blown out by Detroit on over the weekend, Bam took it to heart, uh, said it's not the way we play, it's not the Heat culture. We didn't play the way we play, and obviously showed that and came back and became the guy that they needed him to be over these last couple games. Great performances by Bam. Love to see it. And, you know, it's not not super surprising, but 28 is a big, a big number for him. So good to see that he can step up and be that offensive star that the Heat need when they in those situations from time to time. The other guy 
is someone that I spoke about last week. Uh, and I guess I just have to continue because how could you not talk about Duncan Robinson? Uh, he's becoming one of the, I guess last year, I mean, he was top five in the NBA in shooting. Uh, so he's one. Of, he's already one of the uh, preeminent, I guess you could say, snipers of the NBA already. But he just continues to be one of the guys that this Heat team can absolutely fall back on. And when the offense is struggling, he's the guy who kind of snaps you back into place. Uh, again, he started off the game tonight four for four from three, or against on Wednesday night against the Raptors, four for four from three. Hit another shot that they called back. He was five for five. Finishes the night four for six from three. But over the last two games in the wins, ten of fifteen from three on the season, just about forty six percent from three, which is higher uh, than what he averaged last year. He's not quite at the top yet, but there's a lot of guys that are somehow qualified that are just shooting lights out, that'll sort of uh, regress back as the season goes on. And if Duncan keeps shooting this way, he will vault way up and be towards the top of the league sooner than later. And he's an interesting one because as you look around the league and you look at the arms race that continues to happen, the way he's developed his game, he really is such a huge trade chip. And I I don't mean it like they should trade him because unless you get the right value back, they shouldn't. But, you know, like when you you discuss the Bradley Beals of the world, if you really want to go get a guy like that, to go get a third star to put with Jimmy and Bam, you could get away with not having to mortgage potentially your entire future of draft picks unless that's the way you want to go about it. Um, with Duncan, I think at this point with Duncan and Tyler Hero and maybe just another pick or two, you could get a guy like Bradley Beal. And I know I go back and forth on whether the Heat need a star or whether they don't. But I think when you look at a guy like Beal, and obviously the Beal thing is not, it's not even a discussion, but it comes up because every time a star player is, is in one of these spots, the Heat are in a discussion. But like Tyler Hero, if he if he gets to ever be a Bradley Beal, you're pretty happy with that, right? So getting Beal at this point. Um, and then Duncan, not that you can just easily replace Duncan, but he is an undrafted player who developed into this guy. Uh, you would need to replace that shooting. You'd have to figure it out. But man, I just look at what the Heat could be with like a Beal, Jimmy Butler, Bam, uh trio in this eastern conference Oof, that'd be tough but anyways regardless if they keep it the same i do think something's going to happen before the deadline after february 5th when the signed players can be traded the guys who they signed this year so you know i don't think anything's going to happen over the next week but in the next couple weeks i could definitely see some things start to pick up a little bit once these guys can be once guys like a Myers Leonard or an Avery Bradley even potentially could be traded uh but for now you know this guy he's just he holds it down he's holding it down right now just as almost as much if not more than bam the way he's shooting the ball and just been such a presence for the heat with all this covid stuff it's it's it's, it's just awesome then i mentioned Kendrick Nunn and uh, last week i Last week I talked about, you know, are, are there like 
are there blessings in disguise with this COVID situation? And I mentioned the Tyler Hero just balling out and getting his confidence back and asserting himself and getting to the free throw line and developing. Well, now Tyler Hero's out and Avery Bradley's out. So Kendrick Nunn gets put back in the lineup. And on Monday in the win, 18 points. And then Wednesday against the Raptors, Raptors 28, 8, and 5. Totally has gone back over the last two games into the Kendrick Nunn from the first half of last season, who was second in rookie of the year voting last year. He looks like an absolute stud over the last two games. And now speaking of trades, all I can say is this. Offer him up there. The Heat, I think, desperately need front court help. I, I do. I really do. I, I think they need another big that can protect the rim, that can rebound. I think they need another four-type player that can shoot the ball. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get all of that. I just don't think that it's sustainable to have Precious being one of your primary backup bigs all year as a rookie. He'll eventually – He, I mean, he may not hit a wall, but eventually it, – it just – it doesn't seem sustainable – but I also I just think they need another guy who can stretch the floor. Kelly Olynyk played really well and has played well, but I just don't think you can rely on him to always be that guy. Um, and after a 20, 28, after eighteen and twenty eight, the way he's played these past two games, his value is never Kendrick's value is never going to be higher. I don't think you could move him right away because I think you're going to have to wait until these signed guy these guys that were just signed can be traded. But. I mean, I feel like teams would probably take him back based on potential if he continues to play this way. And, you know, whether it's a Meyer, like a, a, a deal to potentially get a PJ Tucker, or uh, I'll tell you this people think I'm crazy and I keep bringing it up, but Javel McGee's sitting in Cleveland on the bench. He's not going to play anymore because they got Jared Allen. He's a three time NBA champion who was playing really well for this team who was a starter for the NBA champions last year. People think I'm crazy. He's cheap. He could play 15 minutes a game. He plays his ass off when he plays. He rebounds. He blocks shots. Just saying, a young team like the Cavs, who've had injury issues, who are playing, who's starting Damian Dodson right now, maybe you go get a three-time NBA champion who has shown that he's a, a a pretty solid backup center in this league for a guy in Kendrick Nunn whose upside is extremely limited and you probably won't re-sign him when his deal is up anyway or when he's done anyways because he's, he's still on. Just a thought. Uh, sure, there's other guys out there, but you, you know the, the Nets have three roster spots. They're going to have to make some moves and bring in some guys. The, Ra- the Raptors just waved Alex Len. They're going to have to go out and get some guys because they stink. Teams are going to start picking guys up and making deals, so the Heat are going to have to go out there and bolster this thing. I don't think this is the, the roster you're going to see all year. We'll see what happens. Obviously, that's a Pat Riley thing, but we'll, but Kendrick playing this way, good to see him get his confidence back. They say he never lost his confidence, but he did stink for quite a long time, so it's good to see this guy back. Uh, and and be a guy that you can lean on offensively when other guys are out. It's going to be a long year. You're going to need that. Uh, all right, let's talk about, before I wrap this up, let's talk about the schedule between now and next Wednesday when I record the uh, the next episode. But first, but first, let me, uh, I'm going to give, let's, let's get a quick message from Travis Pastrana and our friends over at Just Live. All right, so coming up this week, we have the Raptors again. 
I, I think that should be a very winnable game for the Heat. Uh, I don't think the Raptors are a good team this year. They beat them once. The Heat have obviously struggled to win multiple games, to win back-to-back games. I do lean in these back-to-back sets that are happening in the NBA this year. I do lean on. I do lean towards the team that that lost the first game for some. I don't know. It just maybe instinct on my part. I don't have like a scientific or basketball-related reason. I just sort of lean that way. But the Heat are the better team, even without Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. I know that's crazy. I know you're like, oh, the Raptors. Kyle Lowry, that team stinks, man. The team stinks. They're going to have a rough year. They're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, So you got to win games against non-playoff teams. That's a non-playoff team this year. Then, this weekend, in Brooklyn. Back-to-back games against Brooklyn. And who knows what you're going to get. Who who knows what you're going to get against those Brooklyn teams. Uh, but But I'll tell you this right now. They are not a good defensive team. They traded away Jared Allen who and Torian Prince, who's a good defender, but Jared Allen, who was their best defensive player when he was playing, their defense was great. When he hadn't played, their defense was bad. They're, they've won two games without him before Kyrie came back, um, but they give up a ton of points. They give 147 points in two overtimes to... The Cleveland Cavaliers, who are also one of the worst teams in the NBA, they gave up 123 or 125 the other night to Milwaukee, who is a good team. The point being, can't turn you can't the turnovers are going to have to get cleaned up. Can't turn the ball over against a bad defensive team, especially a bad defensive team with three of the most potent offensive weapons in the NBA, uh, because they will take advantage of it and they will just get buckets and buckets on you. Uh, I would expect to see some zone defense. I would expect to see Miami try to slow the game down, make it a lower scoring game, grind it out. Uh, but we'll see. I and mean, I think the opportunities are there to score. The opportunities are there to potentially beat that team. Not as imp- I think the important thing is, like if you come out of that one and one, or even if you lose both, like you don't want to lose both, but even if you lose both to a team that good, uh, now this is assuming that either Jimmy or Tyler both aren't playing. If they're both playing, you want to you want to win at least one of those games. But I also think the Heat are gonna. It's just important to be competitive at this point with these type of teams um, because L- Brooklyn's going to change the way they the way the ball gets shared is going to change the way their offense looks. Hope for their sake, their defense probably is going to change, and the Heat are going to change. So it's it's still early enough in the season where you're not going to learn a ton about what this would mean down the line. But you still need to be competitive because these are the games where teams start to separate themselves up, you know, at the top of the East. And these are the teams, uh, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, Indy, that you're going to be competing with for seeding towards the end of the year, ideally, to, you know, get home court advantage potentially in the playoffs or whatnot. So got to be competitive in those games. And the next Wednesday, Miami plays Denver, who... Uh, I'm not sure what the deal is with Michael Porter Jr. I'm not sure when he's back. He's been out for like 15 games, or and they haven't even played 15 games. But they are desperately in need of him. They have two guys who can score right now, Jamal Murray and Jokic. They don't play good defense. They don't have rim protection. They're desperately missing Jeremy Grant. They, I'd say what, they're a little bit like the heat of the West right now. Uh, 
Yeah, we the Heat lose Jay Crowder. They lose Jeremy Grant. Neither team has looked quite the same as they did towards the end of last season. Uh, but again, at home versus Denver, winnable game. In fact, next week's back to back, and then and then the Clippers at home. But Denver's next Wednesday, very winnable game. So you got Toronto and Denver, two very winnable games, games that you should win. And then you got Brooklyn. If the Heat go three and one over the next week until the next podcast, that's a very successful week, and the Heat are back on track. I think they're sort of getting back on track right now, but that would make them, you know, fully back on track. You'd be back above five hundred. I think you'd be in a really good place. You would have won five of the last six going into the Clipper game. Then you have some easier games after that the next week. So I think aiming for let's 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 aim for three and one over the next week would be a great week for the Heat. Would be a great week for the Heat. All right. So I will see you guys next week, next Wednesday after the Denver game, the January the twenty seventh. Uh, appreciate everybody who's been listening. Don't forget to go subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts really helps out. Uh, it really do. Everyone who's listened so far, it's, it's you know, having fun. If anything you want me to talk about with the Heat, let me know. If not, I'll be back next Wednesday. And until then, don't forget. Heat Nation. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.